Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like to read more about our community, join us at https colon slash slash org. Thank you for listening to our service, and God bless you. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody. Let's clear our minds and start our worship service this morning with a reading from Genesis, the 17th chapter. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this day that you have given us a day to worship you, a day to pause and think about all that you have done for us. As as you have done for ages, you have taken care of your people. Father, we ask that you be with us as we worship you today. Open our minds, open our hearts to receive the word and help us to encourage each other today. Thank you so much for your son Jesus, the sacrifice that he made for us. We pray this in his name. Amen. 
morning. I'd like to read uh, Psalms 22, 23 through 31. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one, he has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the, all the, ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for this day. We're so thankful that we can come and worship you. Father, we are grateful for this church. We're grateful that we have a family that we can worship together and to 
serve you together and to serve our community. Father, we have uh, special uh, prayer needs this morning. We pray for the family of, of uh, Lena Livingood's brother, uh, brother-in-law who uh, passed away this week. We, uh, we uh, pray for Bob Redding, who is Melissa and Michael's father. We, uh, we, we pray for Jimmy Delk, uh, recovering from a fall. We, uh, we uh, pray for Stephen, who is Rebecca's dad. Leanne, for Debbie. We uh, pray for Ray, for Carolyn, for Stina, for Mark Green, for, for Bonnie, for Chuck Hickman, for Stephen Edwards, for Rachel Torres, and for Ari. Father, we pray for our missionaries who are, who are doing your work and in, uh, in uh, various places, uh, Jason and Emily Miller, for Lindsey Crinks, for Hawatha and Byron and Snazana in Guatemala. Father, we, uh, we know that you love us, that you care about us. We uh, pray for these uh, people that uh, that you will be with them and and give them your peace, Father. We're so glad that we can uh, call you our Father. We thank you most of all for Jesus, and we pray in His name. Amen. <clears throat>
turn out 110. <laughs> Good morning. We want to begin our sermon time uh, with a special prayer and a special memory. And Brian, I'm going to call on you for this. Um, So to give you a little background, some years ago, this church, probably 20-something years ago, supported uh, a young man at the time named Chris Lovingood, who was a missionary in Ukraine. And then while he was in Ukraine, two different stints, but over a decade he spent in Ukraine, he met uh, Lena, uh, who, who became his wife. And uh, we, once they returned to the United States, they both went to church here for a number of years. And a lot of people that have been here a while know both Chris and Lena. Two years ago, when Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, Lena's sister and brother-in-law and their children uh, moved to the United States, moved to Smyrna, moved to Middle Tennessee. And, and as Justin alluded to in his prayer, but we want to have a special set-aside time prayer, Lena's brother-in-law was having a routine root canal this past week and and passed away had a a reaction to the medication he was giving and so he leaves a wife and is it two or three children three children and so imagine what all they've gone through living in ukraine being invaded moving here to be near family um and just they're just heartbroken and uh i know a number of you the news came out about this late thursday early friday a number of you have been there's been a lot of texts back and forth. I've been texting with Chris and Lena, and it's just, it's just devastating. 
but it's an opportunity uh, for us to come together and support as best we can. So uh, Brian is going to come up and offer a special prayer. We're also going to take uh, a collection. If you want to Venmo Acklin and just mark on that Lena's brother, we're going to take a financial. There's been GoFundMes and different things come up for this family, but we want to take a special collection from our church uh, to help. Um, Lena's uh, brother-in-law they lost, his name was Ivan, uh, but we want to support this family. So Brian, if you come on up. Let's pray together. Lord, we come uh, this morning as a community that hurts when the people that we love and the people around us hurt. Uh, Lord, this morning we have Chris and Lena in our prayers uh, with the, the loss of her brother-in-law, Ivan. Uh, We want to pray for his family, for his wife, Irina, for their three children. Um, Lord, in this time that just seems senseless and in all the tragedy that they have endured over the last few years with the the loss of their home and immigrating to uh, a new land, uh, that this just seems to be so senseless on top of that. Lord, I pray that the community that surrounds them, that we here at Ackland, that the communities that they're involved in, that we can be your your hands, uh, your feet, um, and that Lord, we can just uh, lift them up so that you can have them close to your heart. Lord, ease their pain in these coming days, uh, ease their their struggles, financial and and just everything around them. Lord, may we all remember them. Um, and yet, Lord, know that uh, we, will, we will see them again, um, that we know that there are so many things that are broken and senseless in this world, and yet uh, we do not hurt without hope uh, because we know that, that one day we will be united with them again. Lord, we wait for that day. It's through your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Well, I have missed being with you on Sunday mornings uh, the past two weeks. Uh, Two weeks ago, um, I guest preached at the Fourth Avenue Church of Christ in Franklin. And then last week, I was at uh, Church of the City down in Franklin. My nephew got baptized, my youngest brother's son. And they they have quarterly baptism services, and they baptized 50 people uh, last Sunday. It was really something to behold, but it was a miss being here, but it was a joy. Also grateful for those that preached in my absence, grateful for Carter, who's a Lipscomb student studying to be a minister that preached two, two weeks ago, and grateful for Grant, who's a sophomore at Belmont, and uh, as we like to say, one of the best cello players in town, if not the best cello player in town. He gets embarrassed every time I say that. But man, knocked it out of the park last week. If you haven't listened to the podcast, and shout out to Dave Wagner's done a lot of work, and our podcast feed is so much clearer than it used to be on the recordings, but go back and listen uh, to both Carter and Grant. 
grateful for them, and grateful for other young people that are, are working on sermons. We've been having a, a preaching class on Sunday mornings, and we've got a, a lot of young women and men that are working on sermons they're going to do over the next year, and we're just really, really grateful uh, to see the next generation uh, proclaim the Word of God and preach the Word of God. Okay, <clears throat> grab the bulletin. You can look at the text. We'll read it together in a second. Let me set the stage for where we're at. The first Sunday of Lent is always the temptation of Jesus. And then you get the second Sunday of Lent, and you have a very stark and challenging reading that is all about Jesus calling us to lose our lives in order to save our lives. It's a hard reading, it's a tough reading, it's a challenging reading, and it begs the question, what makes a good life? And Christ gives us this admonition, don't waste your life. As I have throughout this season, I've been looking at this book series called The Fullness of Time, edited by Esau Macaulay, and the book on Lent was actually written by Esau Macaulay himself. And he offers this quotation that further sets the scene for where we are in the season. He says, after the Council of Nicaea, 4th century, set a particular date for the celebration of Easter, many throughout the church began to see the Feast of Resurrection as the best time to bring people into the church. It was also a fitting time to bring back those who had strayed. The link between Lent and Easter then was a collision of different factors. The season of fasting linked to baptism and the reconciliation of those estranged from the church were connected to the fasting undertaken in preparation for Easter, including Holy Week. So Lent, and that's just the word for 40 days to Easter, when the time of preparation for Easter, it became about three things. And I want want you to consider where you might fall into these three things. Number one, the preparation of new converts for baptism. The church in this time period would invite people to consider being baptized on Easter Sunday and to prepare for that time. Now, we'll baptize you any time. Well, give us 45 minutes to fill up the baptistry, but uh, (laughs) we'll baptize you any time. But what does it mean to prepare yourself for that? And so you may be thinking, baptism is something on the horizon that I'd like to consider. How might I prepare for that? Second category the reconciliation of those estranged from the church. You might find yourself physically, emotionally, or spiritually estranged from the church or estranged from from Jesus. And what might it be in this time period for you to be reconciled to the Lord and to the Lord's body? But then third, and this is probably where the majority of us fall in this morning, a general call for the whole church to repent and renew its commitment to Jesus. What does it mean for every single person in this pew to renew our vows in this season as we approach Easter and we come in just a matter of weeks to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? Now, that's an intimidating type of thing, and we've already started with a sense of heaviness because we've had a loss this week. But Macaulay reminds us that this time of year, There's an acknowledgement of our sin, and that can be challenging. There's an acknowledgement of our mortality, and that can be difficult. But it collides 
as he says, with an explosion of God's grace. Everything we're talking about, as heavy as this is this morning, to think about carrying our cross, it's the same Jesus that says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so the challenge of this and the grace of God are always two sides of the same coin. So let us not go through these challenging things without that sense of God's grace. Let me set up our text in perhaps an unusual way. You ever read two news stories back to back? And the collision of those two news stories, it takes on a different meaning because, it, because you read them back to back. And if you'd read them in isolation, even if 15 minutes had gone by, you probably wouldn't think of it this way. But because they were together, you think of them the same way. And so these two people have been on my mind the past week. Hugh Hefner and Alexei Navalny. Not two people that you normally think of together. But I read two articles in them back to back. Let's start with Hugh Hefner. Passed away five or six years ago, but his wife wrote uh, a memoir on him that came out just last month, and there was an article on the memoir. He was a famous pornographer and producer uh, in this country that was revered in many circles because he would always have these these elaborate parties in certain aspects of Hollywood, and there were certain time periods in American history where, where it was looked at as a cool type of thing. Various publications long before the internet, uh, various forms of pornography that he would produce. And he was famous in many, many circles. The interesting thing is I was reading his story this past week. As he was growing up in the Methodist church, his mother prayed and prayed and prayed that he would become a missionary. That was always her heart's desire. Uh, he did have a mission, but it was a very different sort than what she wanted for him. All right? And then, of course, I've been thinking of Alexei Navalny, and, and probably a lot of you have too. Of course, this is the Russian dissident, probably the most outspoken anti-Putin critic within Russia that, that passed away. It's the modest way we can put it. Most likely killed, poisoned by the Russians uh, in a prison uh, because he kept speaking out against Vladimir Putin and other things going on in that country. One of the most surprising things about his story was he had, they had tried to poison him before, and he was in Germany, and he said, I'm going to go back to Russia. And they said, well, when you go back to Russia, they're going to arrest you. Like, at the airport, when you get off the plane, they're going to arrest you. And he said, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And this is, this is Bonhoeffer going back to Germany, this is King going to Memphis. There's a sense, I know what's going to happen, and yet, I'm going to do it anyway. And uh, reading an article on him and Hugh Hefner back to back, um, well, then later that day, I read this passage. So if you would stand with me for the gospel reading, and let's try to make sense of this together this morning. Mark chapter 8. 31 through 38. And if you'd like to join with me in the bold section, feel free. Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. 
You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, together, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. This comes on the heels of Peter expressing faith in Jesus and realizing for the first time, the first of the disciples, I know who you are. You are the Messiah. You are the promised king. And then Jesus turns that in a way that they cannot imagine. Jesus turns that in a way that they were not fully prepared for and said, I want you to know I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die on a cross. Not just going to die. I'm going to die the worst way that's imaginable in our society. But three days later, I'm going to come back to life. And Peter's reaction is like a lot of our reaction. That is not what I signed up for. That is not what I signed up for. Peter left his nets. Peter left his fishing business. Peter left his family because he wanted the inside track on the Messianic kingdom. He did not want to die. He did not want to lose his family. He did not want to endure the shame of the cross. This is not where he thought things were going. And it truly upset him. And I'd like to think I understand where he's coming from. (laughs) While I've never experienced anything on Peter's level. How often do we seek to follow the words of Jesus? How often do we seek to follow the example of Jesus? How often do we seek to follow the example of the historic church? But then we realize, if I actually do this, This is not going to be fun. Around my conservative friends, I am not going to be conservative enough. And around my progressive friends, I'm not going to be progressive enough. And I'm just suddenly not going to fit in anywhere. And it's going to be hard. I'm going to have to give up more money than I'm meant to. I'm going to have to give up more time than I'm meant to. And it's it's just not going to be the life (laughs) that I was really wanting to live. And there's this temptation to always want to tone down the words of Jesus. And so Peter pulls him aside and he gives him advice on what a better message would be. And I've done the same thing. Jesus, Jesus, like, listen. (laughs) I know this whole thing about turning the other cheek. I know this whole thing about loving your neighbor. I know this whole thing about if my eye causes to sin, I should plug it. You know, hey, settle down. And I've heard a lot of teaching, and you probably have too, that basically amounts to Everybody relax. It's not as bad as it sounds at first glance. (laughs) It's foolishness. Because it is as challenging as it sounds at first glance. This is the sting of discipleship. It's a hard path. It is a challenging path. And when Jesus calls him this, Peter pulls him aside, and this is not where I thought this was going And Jesus, right after the Gospel of Matthew, right after saying, upon this rock I will build my church, he says, get 
behind me, Satan. And then he doubles down. He says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross. Hey, if you want to gain the whole world, if you want to seek to gain stuff, if you want to save your life, here's the thing. You're going to end up losing it. But if you give your life away, you're going to get to the end of life and realize you failed it. You saved it all along. It's the counterintuitive nature of the gospel. And we see the rhythm of the gospel all across the landscape. Think about the relationships in your life that are most meaningful to you. And they probably involved a great deal of sacrifice. They probably involved a great deal of putting that other person above yourself. And specifically, people that are married who wake up and look at each other after 30, 40, 50 years, they don't look at each other and say, you know what? I woke up every day pursuing happiness and I finally found it. No, they say, I just kept putting the other person above myself. And then one day woke up and realized this is one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done in my life. Because this is what happens. It's only when we give our lives away that we ultimately find that joy. And it is a challenging path. You know, for many years, we supported Hiawatha and Byron and Snazana and their ministry in Guatemala. And in their February newsletter, they gave this story of of one of their friends down there. I just want to read this for a second. Because there was a really difficult political situation in Guatemala last fall, so Hiram Byron left for a couple months. They said, when we left Guatemala last October on our way to the U.S., our preacher and his family, Walter and Nohelis Darden, still had not returned to, to Linda Vista. This is kind of Hein Byron's home church there in Guatemala. For those of you who may not have heard, he and his family had to flee the village in July after his stepfather and two of his half-brothers got into an altercation with some gang members in the neighboring village. Because of this, these brothers and all their family members were threatened with death. This unfortunately included Walter and his family, though they were in no ways involved with the incident. They said, sadly, this is how gangs often operate in our country. They had to go take shelter in an empty house with one of our members. And after six months, it was determined that Walter was never going to be able to come back to Linda Vista, their preacher. Because of this, he resigned at the church. He walked up one Sunday at the church and said, there are gang members in town trying to kill me. I've got to resign as your preacher. And he left. They said, we are thankful for some Christians in the U.S. who kept supporting Walter financially. And he and his family moved to another town, Esquintla, if I'm pronouncing that right. And they started a new church. And I'd like to say that was the main heading in their newsletter. That was one story in a five-page newsletter. Just another day on the mission field, right? These are challenges that so many of our brothers and sisters face. What this does, what this type of thing does, Jesus is teaching, it gives us a new scorecard, a new way of measuring whether our lives are successful or not. And in American culture, we measure our lives 
by the amount of money we have, by the titles we have, by the homes we have, and by our romantic and sexual relationships. And that is often, in our culture, how we measure our success. And Jesus gives us a different scorecard. Jesus says, no, no, no. If you lay your life down, that's a good life. I tell you this, you can gain the whole world if you lose your soul. If in the end you lose your life, what was it all for? This past week, as I read more about Alexei Navalny, I encountered an article by Russell Moore and one of his colleagues at Christianity Today, Emily Bells, they had translated some writings that Navalny had done. You see, and, and I'm, not, I'm not an expert on Russian politics. I can't push these things too far. But Navalny, early on in life, was an atheist. And then he, he found the Lord in the Orthodox Church and became a believer. And the things I'm about to read to you, he wrote this in 2021, just three years ago. He said, the fact is that I'm a Christian, which usually sets me up as an example for constant ridicule in the Anti-Corruption Foundation, because mostly our people are atheists. I was once a militant atheist myself, but now I'm a believer, and that helps me a lot in my activities because everything becomes much, much easier. There are fewer dilemmas in life because there is a book in which, in general, it is more or less clearly written what action I should take in every situation. It's not always easy to follow this book, but I'm trying. And a verse that he was particularly obsessed with, even while in prison, was Matthew 5, 6, one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And he would sit in his prison cell and he would meditate on that verse. And he said, I've always thought that this particular commandment is more or less an instruction to activity. And so while certainly not really enjoying the place where I am, I have no regrets about coming back or about what I'm doing. It's fine because I did the right thing. And I contrasted that in recent weeks as I read this memoir by Crystal Hefner, the last of the many wives of Hugh Hefner. As she revealed what we always intuitively knew, that Hugh Hefner was a desperate, pathetic man who abused countless people throughout his entire life, was a pathetic individual that wasted his entire life. And she said, you know, I've now realized that he was abusive. I'm like, yeah, I could have told you that in the 80s. He's an abusive, toxic man. And it contrasts with Yulia Nilvaney. You might have been inspired by an interview that she did this week where she said, and this is the wife of Alexei Navalny, that she will continue his work. She will continue speaking out against evil. And she will continue to carry on her husband's work no matter what it costs because it was the right thing. Someday, and this is the spirit of the season, to remind ourselves of this, and this will lead us into communion. Someday, hopefully a long time from now, but someday we will all die. And there will be a moment as we near the end of our lives that we will ask ourselves, 
Did I lead a good life? Or did I waste my life? And what will our answer to that be? Jesus says someday he's going to come back. And if we have been ashamed of him, he will be ashamed of us. I don't like that verse. It scares me. (laughs) It feels judgmental. But Jesus said it. And in that moment, when we meet Jesus face to face, we will remember that true life found is found, and not in squeezing it and accumulating things, but true life is found in giving our lives away. That is the example that we have been given by Jesus, and may we live in his example. Let's stand together and sing. find that in the remembrance of communion, we remember the actions that Jesus took for us on the cross. And 
Uh, as JP spoke about today, we see that Jesus was prepared to walk the walk, that he instructed his disciples to walk. But before he did that, Jesus gives profound words in the Last Supper of the meaning and the semblance of this meal, and he gives a foreshadowing of everything that is about to take place. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take it, this is my body. If you'll bow with me for the bread. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. And Lord, not only do we celebrate your death, God, but we celebrate your physical resurrection that ensures our future reality for what one day will be like. So Jesus, we remember you in this moment. We remember your broken body. We ask that you fill our hearts with gratitude in this moment. It's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. Following the breaking of the bread at the Last Supper scene, Jesus said, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. If you'll bow with me for the cup. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the blood that you shed on our behalf so that we did not have to shed any. And we thank you that... You have made us a blood-covered people, Lord, that you have cleansed us and washed us clean, Lord. We ask that you help us celebrate you and honor you today. It's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen.
Our, our closing reading this morning comes from Romans uh, chapter 4, verses 13 through 25. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we acknowledge your greatness and your goodness Our hearts are filled with gratitude this morning. We are grateful for the opportunity to praise you in song with our voices. We're grateful for the chance to listen to a message spoken from your word. We're grateful to be able to gather again around the table in communion with our brothers and sisters here as one body. Above all, we are grateful to be in your presence. As we leave here today, we are reminded of your plan for creation We're reminded that everything you have called into being is good. This week, we will certainly find ourselves in places and in situations that are broken. May we be servants of yours in every place and in every situation that we find ourselves. May we have strength and courage to share your goodness and to share your love. We are are reminded as we leave here of the faith of Abraham. We are reminded that our faith gives us strength. We are reminded that our faith can move mountains. Our faith is greater than any of our weakness. It's greater than any of our procrastination, any of our worry. It's greater than any of our self-doubt. It's greater than any disease or pain or suffering that we might experience. Lord, as we're reminded of this faith, uh, may we go out and be servants of yours And may we bring uh, the goodness of your creation back to life. It's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Morning, church. 
So a lot of things to think about from today um, that's already been shared. I want to give you an opportunity to smile. I've got a few jokes for you in regards to Lent. I was going to give up lunch meat for Lent. Does anybody want know why? I couldn't do it because I couldn't quit cold turkey. Oh, man. All right. All right. This one, this one might be for uh, those who uh, love Microsoft, Microsoft products. Uh, I decided I was going to give up spreadsheets for 40 days. And you know what was said to me? Excel lint. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, you guys are rough. All right. And th this one does not apply to me, but it applies to a lot of you in here. What do you call someone who gives up coffee for Lent? A saint? No? Nobody? A saint? It's a hard thing. To oh, my gosh. All right. I'll come better next time. I'll come better next time. All right. We do have some birthdays this week that we want to celebrate. Jack Sternberg, Avila. Solenberger and Melissa Myrick. We, we are going to celebrate with you this week. Um, let's see, what else do I want to talk about? Small group tonight. There is no room at the end tonight. That's next week, but small group tonight um, for everybody that's in that. want to bring up that uh, we've got prayer retreat coming up. If you would like to be a part of that, and if you haven't already signed up, you can see Mr. Solenberger, and he will get you connected. Um, but that's March 22nd through the 24th. And then I'm really excited about this. Hayden Bodie baby shower, or not baby shower. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I don't know anything. <clears throat> Wedding shower, Wedding shower. Let me correct. They aren't here. It's fine. Yeah, the, the, yeah they'll never be full. It's fine. It's fine. If you know how Bodhi uh, shared with us that he's going to get married, it's, it's, it's fine. I can tell you that story later. Um, that's on the 24th, so we're going to celebrate. That's on the 24th. Yeah, all right. It's a rough day today up here. Um, we do have a spring retreat coming up in April, so mark your calendars for that. But really what we want to celebrate is we want to celebrate Eliana Bauer for doing so great in her, uh, her competition for gymnastics, second overall. Well done. And then Penny Hoskins, zombies are real, and she proved it with the zombie prom this past weekend. And um, yeah, so a lot of greatness there. If you're not a saint, because you didn't give up coffee for Lent, we do have coffee, we do have donuts, and we have a chance to fellowship. Go get some love. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.